which I really like District 9. Have you seen District 9? Yeah. Okay. Are you mad at me? No. Oh my god. Hey, this is David. And this is Lon, and welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched, where I finally watched Monsters. So, to clarify a little bit, uh, the movie we are watching, Monsters, is a 2010 film by Gareth Edwards. It's probably one of the most indie movies we've talked about, and we went a little bit back and forth on whether we should even do it. One, because maybe it's not well known enough, and then two, you know, the, the genres we're trying to cover in the month of October, this might not necessarily meet those definitions. Um, but it's a movie I love, and for many reasons. One, it's just how beautifully shot it is, how great the story is, and I know we might argue about it, but I think it does sort of fit with what we're doing here, and this is one that I kind of became aware of, and so I, I sought out trying to get a copy of it. It wasn't really even released in theaters in America all that much, and so it was not straight to DVD, but, you know, a very limited release, and I saw it on DVD very soon after and just loved it. So having laid that down, that groundwork, Alon, what did you think upon your first viewing of the movie? So it took me a little bit to like really get into the movie because the first half of it or the first like I guess third of it was kind of propelling the movie forward into this place where you know it's not going to be easy for them to get to their journey. So in the beginning, you know, when she misses her ferry boat because she didn't have her passport and they finally finagle their way and getting like riverboat access and armed guards to like walk them through the Mexican jungle, I guess. Um, from there, I think they really start kind of delving into the monsters and kind of why they're, uh, not why they're there, but how they're terrorizing the, t the people of Mexico. Right, yeah, the, the jungle that they have to take them through is the infected zone, which is like a long, mile, hundreds and hundreds of miles uh, in the north of Mexico between the U.S. border and then the rest of Mexico. And yeah, the, the, the kind of the exposition to get the story started is, you know, first he has to find her in the hospital because there's been some sort of like attack on a hotel, um, but then she turns out to be all right. And then he's just basically told you have to get to her, her back to America. And so they go to these ferries. Um, you know, they have to travel across Mexico to get to the coast and then they have to get her on a ferry. And the, you know, that part of the movie, what I find interesting is kind of the, the character development, you know, in, in that beginning part, they're sort of, breaking down who these people are you know she is uh you know the daughter of this rich guy who doesn't necessarily have like the same belief system this guy has um her name's sam and then the guy who is andrew calder but he's just called calder um he is just all about you know his his job his photography and you know traveling to do that he comes off as a little selfish and self-centered self-centered a little childish and I think the most interesting part of that to me was just that their interactions and kind of building up, you know, who they are and like the whole, you're right, up until they don't, she doesn't get on the ferry is sort of all just setting up the rest of the movie. And I guess you could find it a little bit slow, but it's also, 
especially on like a first watch or I haven't, I haven't seen this movie in 10 years. Um, I think it is just interesting enough to keep you going because while this may not be like a, a scary movie or, or something that's going to make you jump, like, I think it's the, the character development of these two is like really interesting and really well done. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Like they're definitely setting up the character in the beginning part. And I realized that I personally thought the characters were kind of bland. Uh, not that I, I was expecting like them to be doing cartwheels for me, you know, I'm just saying like, all right, it's a girl and you know, there's a guy and they come from different uh, slices of life. And I, I understand that. But I didn't start like really liking the characters until they were put into like these tough situations, which they kind of end up on later on. Um, and them kind of getting to, I guess, like once they start their journey, the big pickup for me is when they're in like the trucks at night and the mon the alien monster attacks them that was like the next kind of big all right here we go let's you know let's see what happens um and then the day after you know their entire what do you want to call them caravan is completely wiped out and they're the only two left and then how they like how they react to that and the deaths of those people in the village and how they get from there to the end of the movie, I thought that's where like a lot of the really good character development went through. That's when I really started liking the characters when they were kind of put in that tough uh, position. Right. And I also think the reason you don't like the characters in the beginning, and this is a bit of a gripe with the way the story is told. Um, the whole way she is unable to get on the ferry with, you know, she goes to his room the day of going to the ferry and then finds another woman in there. So she's upset, even though the night before he was really, really trying to like stay in her room with her. Yeah. And he wasn't having it. And he really wasn't taking no for an answer, which was kind of awkward to watch. Um, she like runs away once she sees this other woman in there and he chases after her and he's like, why are you not on the ferry? And she's like, well, you have my passport. Why the hell does he have your passport? Like you're a grown woman. She pulled it out of her own bag earlier to show the guy when she was getting on the ferry, like when she was buying the ferry ticket, like that part of the story makes no sense to me. Well, it's not even that it's, it's the fact that she went to his room to like invite him for coffee or breakfast or whatever. And then when she runs away after seeing the other woman in his bed, she like, there's no mention of like, Hey, you have my passport. Can I have that real quick before I leave or anything like that? She just run. I mean, she's just lucky. He started chasing after her, you know, where their luck kind of runs out is that the woman he slept with presumably stole all his stuff. But yeah, you're right. The kind of, you know, step by numbers way of them doing stuff is really stupid and like completely a plot convenience. But that's not why I like, I did, I don't like them. I don't like them because I felt they were really boring. Ah, uh, I don't know. I think they're more, to me, they're more closed off. Her 
you know, they're both people that don't really know each other. So like the, their development throughout the movie is definitely like a slow, slow development. Um, you know, she doesn't really even want to talk to him in the beginning. And like, he's just could not care less about her. He just wants to get back to, but what I found interesting is that like these monsters, I, when I was, when I was started watching it again, I was like, Oh, it seems like these monsters have been around for like a year or a few months. Right. Um, because like, how do you not have pictures of them yet? And he's like, oh, you know, a photograph of these goes for $50,000. And it's like, well, why? But then I was looking on IMDb and apparently they've been around for six years. Um, it was like six years after they like arrived on earth. And, but his, his focus is on the monsters. And so I think it kind of makes sense that they're closed off to each other until he like goes out with her one night and is trying to get her drunk. And then not necessarily trying to get her drunk, you know, he's not forcing alcohol on her, but just trying to get her to have a good time in the hopes of hooking up with her. Um, I, I, I do agree with you though. Like once, once the ferry doesn't happen, I, I enjoy the journey across Mexico, like on the train and on the buses. Like I think one thing that I really love about this movie is how like beautifully shot it is. Yeah. And so like that carries the beginning, at least to me, cause it's just so beautiful to look at. But I think the movie does really take off once she doesn't get on the ferry and they have to figure out something else. Yeah. And, you know, so once once that happens and, you know, they have to get on the riverboat, there's a scene on the riverboat and it's at night. Uh, By the way, for like a low budget movie, the CGI is pretty impressive. Um, They do show most of the monsters either through like a poorly. like a poor receiver television or, you know, at night and it's mostly their silhouettes. So you can get away with a lot of technical stuff doing that. But when you finally see the monsters, like as the characters see them in person, a lot of it is really well done knowing how low of a budget they had on this film. But when you first like get a, our characters get like an up close uh, encounter with them by the way, the movie calls them monsters, and they are monsters, but they're technically aliens that have crashed in Mexico at one point. Um, so we'll just <laughs> add that. But their first encounter with it is on the riverboat, in the lake, and it's just kind of there. Like, it, it does kind of, uh, like take down a an think- already sunken jet, but... Right, it's, it's un- you never actually see it. It's underneath the water. It's more of a creep factor. It's not so much scary, but it's like, okay, it's there, and it's close enough to get you, but it doesn't. Right. I, I, I think, so the budget of this is like $500,000, and to me, that does limit the amount of times you can see the aliens, right? Or you can at least see them up close. Right. Um, you know, there's two main stars of this movie. And then once, when they're in Mexico, it feels like a lot of these, a lot of these people are not necessarily just like random workers or whatever, but they are just kind of like, I don't know if they're indie actors or just people they found that could act, you know, maybe they did casting down there, but it's like, they have two main stars who probably didn't make a lot off of this. And then they have just a bunch of like day player type peoples. They have the Marines in the U.S. 
and like the one crazy lady and then all the people in Mexico that that are in this so like I feel like most of the budget went to the CGI that you see like at the very end or mm -hmm. like in the beginning and then you know, the few scenes in the middle and so that does limit one the amount of times you can see the monsters but two I think that that makes the movie work I think it's still like it's a great way to to go about it I do I do want to say though I think there's a lot more CGI than the monsters because I know at one point there's like an upside down truck in a tree and I'm pretty sure that's CGI there's multiple jets flying over their heads and I believe those are CGI so are a lot of like the uh, destruction of the buildings um, and then those are CGI so there's a lot of like well done CGI that unless you're really looking for it you won't notice and obviously because, you know, aliens and monsters are out of our reality, they're kind of easier to pick up. But um, when they first encounter them versus the second time they encounter them, um, I thought that the farther away the, the monsters were, the better I like them. <laughs> like their use in the story. I do want to talk about when they are introduced to like the infected trees. Um, I didn't quite understand that. Maybe you can explain to me exactly like, like a fallout, like a nuclear fallout that these things brought with them or what, what was that? I don't even know that it has to be that. I mean, one thing this movie does, and we've talked about a lot of, you know, we've done some indie movies is, but just in general, I think it's a good idea to leave things a little bit unexplained. Mm-hmm. And this, it almost seems just like the the aliens sort of infect the trees and leave what part of their DNA, and the trees get this. Um, they get these growths that have like life, and they, you know, they flash a light on it, and then it's sort of like luminescence comes out of the the parts of the tree that have been infected. Um, I thought it was just it reminded me a lot of Avatar, which came out like the year before, but it just. <laughs> I think it was just like a cool feature they wanted to add to it. You know what I mean? They didn't necessarily feel the need to explain. Right. Um, well, the thing but, was, was too, is because, you know, they're like, oh, it infected the trees. And, you know, they're always wanting a working gas mask or everyone's wearing gas masks. But you never see anyone die from any gas or like infection. So is that just like a propaganda thing or should they have worn gas masks? Um, it's maybe partly something the aliens do that we don't get into, but they also in that right before that scene, they're at the campfire and they're talking about how the Americans are continually bombing all the time. And I think that is a big part of why the gas masks are worn because of the bombing from the Americans and the whatever can come from that. Yeah. Um, and, and they actually even say that you know throughout the movie there's these little like news clips and things like that and then this campfire talk where you just get tiny bits of information that you can piece together but one thing they're talking about the campfire is that the actual problem isn't the aliens you know they these aliens kind of migrate they're almost just like these animals right they're these animals that you have to to deal with um but that the real problem is actually the americans to the north bombing them and trying to corral them like that's what's causing the problem more than the aliens themselves. Yeah. And I think, you know, now is a good time to kind of get into what the story is really about because it's not 
as you say, you know, we don't get into all the nitty gritty about, you know, the aliens, how they got there, what they want or anything like that, because really the story is an allegory for um, kind of like the cartels. I mean, really, it's about it's about like the cartels and the drug wars in Mexico is a lot of what it's talking about. I mean, it's slightly different. Well, it's slightly it's- different, but I also feel like, and not to be too pretentious here, but, you know, the movie is titled Monsters. But it seems like most of the destruction, and we see this at the very, very end, but most of the destruction is happening because of the american bombers and the the fighter jets dropping the the bombs trying to kill the aliens but every time we see a dead alien we see a mass destruction of a city or a town and um you know it's almost saying like hey we're the monsters you know humans as a as a species um and what we learn about the aliens in the movie is that like you said they're they're animals and they just so happen to be here. And it's not like they're seeking out destruction of us, but continually through the movie, we see humans seeking out the destruction of them. Right. But yeah, but I think, I think you can say that too, obviously that the, the it's pointing to the problems being the humans more than the actual aliens and our inability to live with them. But I think it's also an allegory, you know, the placement of the aliens in the north of Mexico, the placement of this huge wall built by the Americans to keep out those aliens. Um, the when they're in the cab driver, when they're in the cab and they talk to the driver about like, how do you live here? Um, and he's like, where would I go? You know, you just have to keep on living and you have to hope like that you're not, you know, you're not affected by this. I mean, that's like a lot of that is an allegory for like people in Mexico having to live with like these brutal cartels and the drug war and how the Americans like, you know, this is something we're talking about all the time for the last four years about the wants of some of them in the country to build a wall to keep the cartels and the bad people out and some saying that's, you know, silly. Yeah, well, so, no, I mean, at first, I think we've been talking about it for a little bit more than just four years, but it's kind of amazing how the census movie was made, what did you say, 10 years ago? Yeah, 2010. But, yeah, that this was all kind of already an idea in this writer-director's head. Um, so before we get into the ending, I do want to talk about how this movie was written because I think a lot of what has to do with character development and how we look at these characters is how they talk to one another. And like you said, we have two main characters, the guy and the girl, who need to get to America. And there's this one guy in Mexico. He's kind of like the border commander, I guess. And he would be the one, you know, hey, it's $5,000 to get on the ferry. Oh, now it's $10,000 to hire all these people to walk you through the, the infected zone. Um, he was one of my favorite characters, actually. He was kind of like funny, but he was also a huge obstacle that the characters had to get over. And I really liked the way he was written. And his lines were the type of like movie lines that didn't feel like, you know, rehearsed, but it, it was movie dialogue to, to get the very specific movie dialogue for, to get the story moving. But the dialogue between our main characters felt so natural. It was almost like 
did this movie even have a script? Right. No, yeah, the, especially the way the way that the two main characters speak to each other. It felt very much like here's the scene, here's what we need you to get across, have a conversation like this. Um and that they were given a lot of leeway in how to do that. Yeah, it was like, all right, now improv. And because, you know, human speech and human dialogue is so horrible. You know, we stumble up, uh, upon our words. We don't know what to say. We have a lot of long pauses. And oh my God, that, <laughs> that dialogue definitely, you know, those, um, normal human tendencies came up a lot in this movie and you couldn't tell okay is this really good improv or is this really bad improv for for me it worked like i i think when we were talking earlier i compared this a little bit to magic mike because a lot of the dialogue in magic mike felt like it was just two people who were told this is the scene this is what to get across and there was a lot of like me and you do this talking all the time but just a lot of ums, a lot of likes, a lot of pauses, a lot of getting lost in your words. Yeah. And this, I just thought they did a much better job with it. I, the characters they created, you know, Sam, I felt was this girl that's like lost. She's getting married, you know, engaged to this guy who it doesn't seem she really loves and she's going to get caught up in this life she doesn't seem to really want. And then Calder is this just kind of an asshole who's really self-centered. And, you know, Sam at one point is like, do you ever feel bad for taking photographs of, you know, death and destruction? He's like, well, it, you know, it happens. I just document it, you know, and, you know, how much, do you know how much your father pays me for these photos? Um, And so I think the dialogue does a great way of building these characters and just kind of making the, the movie seem a little more real. No, definitely. And, and, you know, I, like I said, I really started liking these characters in this movie as a whole, as it went on, like the last 30, 45 minutes, I thought was great. Uh, So when I'm talking about like, oh, it doesn't really feel, feel written. That was just really in the beginning when we're kind of getting to know these characters, but there's this line in that conversation that you were talking about how she was like, oh, do you ever feel guilty on, on how you make money? Because you seem to only make money when there's like destruction or, you know, illness or death. And he's like, oh, like a doctor. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's a great line, you know? Yeah, well, you can tell he's probably dealt with these questions before too. He just like had that lined up or, you know, the, obviously the, the writer did. What I do think too is we talked about the, the beginning being a little slow and, and building everything up, but one thing that the beginning does and the middle for sure too is just kind of the the world building of monsters um there's these cool little touches throughout there's like these billboards with like um i'm looking at one right now with like these u.s army and this mexican army like shooting at these aliens and there's like these cartoons that you know they stop at this house of this mexican family and they're allowed to stay there and eat with the kids it's kind of a sweet moment where Calder's playing with all the kids and Sam's playing with all the kids. But then on TV, there's a cartoon teaching kids how to put on gas masks. Yeah. It's just like this normal life for them. And so the, the writing and the, the way the movie is shot, like really puts you in this world of living in Mexico with these aliens and just having like 
what other option do you have being a poor person like or you know even middle class stuck in this country yeah. like you there is no escape you have to learn to live with it yeah and you know they are aliens um and the movie being called monsters is kind of uh uh tr- tricky but you know because it is such an allegory for like immigration and and how america treats that whole subject i think calling the movie aliens first of all it's already taken but second of all maybe that's too on the nose because really it is about it is about them you know and and the writer didn't make it sort of like oh these creatures came from like it doesn't matter where these creatures come from because like i said really the story is is an allegory for how government any government treating foreign uh people creatures anything like that especially the way this movie ends because it ends on such an open note that you kind of realize oh you know the movie isn't about the situation but it very much focuses on our characters. And I think that's when I, when the movie, you know, came to a point where you're supposed to, as the audience, you're supposed to realize that. And now looking back onto the whole movie as one, one, I get a different appreciation for it. And I think now I'm like, okay, I actually like this movie more than I thought knowing the whole thing in, in a, in a wider picture. Right. And I think we can talk a little bit more in a minute about how the movie ends. Cause I still think you're forgetting how the movie began. Well, how, Even, how did the movie, how did the movie begin? You want to do this now? Yeah. The movie starts out with a firefight between Marines and aliens. Right. And you see Calder carrying the lifeless body of Sam saying, somebody help me. I pointed this out to you before, like, a week ago. What? Yeah. I missed that. I thought it was like, that's how she broke her arm. No, no. And this is something I wanted to bring up. The first time I saw this movie, I, I watched it and I watched it again very quickly after I showed it to some friends. And when I saw that beginning, I was like, oh my God, she dies right in the beginning. That's like how they... But the thing is, is like they still do leave it a little bit open. Like her body is lifeless, but she could just be knocked out. There's no blood or anything. It's just she's been, she's either unconscious or possibly dead. But, you know, like I said, there's no blood. Or, you know, you know, he's just carrying her off and she'll be fine. Like you don't really know. But I do like the way they start with that because they, they want to have that in there. But they also don't want to ruin how powerful the ending is because the ending where you know, you have the music really playing and the Marines come and get them right after they have this really big kiss that they've been building up to through the whole movie. You know, this movie is just as much a, as a romance as it is like a thriller science fiction movie. Yeah, big time. And so I do like putting that part at the beginning. And for people like you who just didn't even really notice that that's what was going on, it like doesn't take away at all, although maybe it now has for you, but doesn't take away at all from the ending. It, it You know what? Oh man, 
No, that's a bummer to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch that uh, beginning part again because it for me it does take away from the ending. I kind. I really liked how I thought that you didn't know how the movie was gonna end, and you ended on her is like I don't want to go home. I want to be with you, basically. You know, I don't want to go back to my old life with my fiance and whatever, whatever. I, you know. I you still you. don't. You still don't know how the movie ends, though. That's no, you, my point. I mean, well, I guess, but now it's like a much kind of clearer aftermath um, of what happens once they get into the uh, the U.S. Army vehicles. But uh, I will say though, it does kind of that last scene does a little bit more prove our kind of like this is a you know the term monsters is a play on words because uh, Calder and Sam are kind of held up not held up at gunpoint. They're holding up at a gas station yeah. waiting for the Marines to come pick them up. You know, they've called in asking for help and they run into these two aliens and they're just kind of out in the open looking at the aliens and the aliens you kind of now finally find out that these aliens like live off of our electricity and they're, they're like sucking energy out of the TV. Right. And maybe that's the energy they're putting into the trees, whatever. But then they sort of just walk outside and are staring at these two huge aliens, like, interacting. And the aliens, I'm, you know, you don't know what senses they have, but if they're, like, T-Rexes, then they can see the movement. And if they just have eyes, they can see Sam and Calder just sitting there. But they just sort of, they don't feel threatened and they walk off. But then once the <laughs> Marines pick them up and drive them off, then they get into a firefight with these aliens and Sam gets injured possibly dies but i think that was my point in saying that in the the first time i saw this i was like oh wow she dies in the beginning you find her right away but i think it is less clear and it is i think a cool way to do you know to have some sort of suspense with the movie but at the yeah. same time not affect the ending that the director obviously wanted yeah i mean The, the the ending scene in the gas station where Sam is, you know, she's in the gas station and then Calder is by the pumps. He's outside. He's like laying down, thinking about his son, um, which I thought was a really interesting backstory for that character. I really, uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, but when the alien comes in and you hear the little like ding ding of the gas station door and she has this smile on her like oh, you know, Calder just walked through the door and, you know. Um, and then it's the alien, which I'm like, wow, politest alien ever. No, but uh, it it reminded me, I got a big Jurassic Park vibes, you know, when they're on the one side of the counter and the um, velociraptors are on the other. Right. Um, and then the tentacles like peek through and Sam sees them, you know. Uh, I I really like that part of it and that was one of the most suspenseful suspenseful parts for me because making the aliens that big and that's the same problem i had in uh um uh, what's it called war of the worlds war of the worlds thank you with tom cruise and dakota fanning that's one of the big problems i had with it was because the aliens were so big that you don't get the jump scares of them like sneaking up on you and you don't get you know certain things because they're just like monumentous but the fact that they have these tentacles and you know same thing with the aliens in war of the worlds 
I'll say this. You make your monster like the size of a human or smaller. And I feel like you get more of a, a scare out of it than making it larger uh, than a building. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but this is like having the cake and eating it too. You know what I mean? You get these huge monsters, but at the same time, these tentacles that kind of almost have like senses of their own. You know, you mentioned Jurassic Park, like you yeah. have these huge dinosaurs and you also have like the small velociraptors who are kind of at eye level. So they, like, well, that's, yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but velociraptors are the scariest things in Jurassic Park more than the T-Rex, you know? Correct. Um, but you, but here's, here's my point though, is that you don't find out that they have these tentacles that can do these things until like 10, 15 minutes left of the movie. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, and like we said, this isn't a horror movie. This is kind of outside of what we wanted to do. You're just going to slide that in there. This is kind of outside what we want to do, what we wanted to do for October, but it has these elements of suspense, but definitely with like, I feel like a stronger, more important message than most horror films. First of all, it has aliens in it, uh-huh. and it was released in October, which is mm-hmm. when you release scary-type movies, uh-huh. so I think it perfectly fits with what we're doing here. Okay, but for everyone else who hasn't seen it, and they don't like horror like I, then they can see it because it's not that scary. Correct. Okay. I do want to go back, you know, given how low budget of this uh, of a movie this is, it was like $500,000. The quarantine area that they have to walk through when they're dropped off and they're like, you know, they're looking for Victor. Cause like, that's the guy that they bribed to let them through. Mm-hmm. And they have these kind of big trucks that they have these guys that like spray down these trucks, like disinfectant. And then there's like huge gates. I was like, what is that area? Like, cause it almost seems like they repurposed something. You know, I guess they could have just built something to look like a, a you know, a, a passageway through, but I thought it was really cool and really well done. Like that, the, the the fairy guy that they had to deal with earlier and then this area that they had to get through to like be to get into the infected zone i thought was like a really cool set yeah and it's only it's only in the movie for what two minutes yeah no i mean they must have repurposed something i think a lot of these like you know they walk through a town that's completely destroyed and you know yeah okay obviously in the movie it's destroyed by the aliens but if that's all practical, because it looked all practical, it didn't look like the town was CGI. You have to assume they repurpose like a, a distressed town after a hurricane or something like that. Um, and then, you know, there's that, and it's used on the, on the, not the poster for the movie, but like the, like the, save screen you know when you pause the film and stuff but it's the giant mural that calder is standing in front of right and like someone has to paint that and someone had to make that look like it was like five years old but it's really beautiful it's really well done and it's done in like this art style that you you, like when you think of mexican street art it's kind of done like that um but i thought that was one of the the coolest things about the movie is the backgrounds and the settings and like that gas station in the middle of nowhere. Like there's just some really cool sets in this film that um, 
one, you're like, oh my God, how do they do that? And two are just awe-inspiring. When I say awe-inspiring, I'm really thinking of the the giant wall. Um, obviously that's CGI, but you know, when they get up close to it at the guard tower, there's just really cool shots come from that. No, yeah. Uh, so first, like my favorite part of the movie is just because of how beautiful it is, is them going down the river. Just the different shots they get. They have like this huge kind of blown out building with like birds flying over but just how beautiful that whole scene is but then the other one is when they're climbing on climbing on you know what like a mayan temple that's like just close to the u.s border and then they get on top of that and then you just see the the mexican-american wall like for miles everywhere kind of blocking out these aliens and how they just sleep on top of the the mayan temple at night and then, you know, having to walk through the wall, like climb back onto the road and then walk in, you know, walk through this, the, the border. Yeah, all of, my big takeaway from this movie is just how beautiful the whole thing is, how well it's shot, which makes sense. It was funny, like when we were talking about this before, about whether we would actually do this movie. And then I told you that the guy that directed this went on to do right afterwards, Godzilla, mm-hmm. uh, not king of monsters but the the previous one the brian cranston one calling it the brian cranston one when he dies in the first 10 minutes is a bit much yeah you're right people know what i'm talking about and then rogue one which is considered by you know a big portion of star wars fans is easily the best one out of the first trilogy but maybe even the best one you know what i mean so like the fact that this guy went on to make like one huge pretty great blockbuster and then one of like the most revered star wars movies yeah it it makes sense with just how beautifully shot this movie was given the shoestring budget it was on and you know about the budget which makes me think do you know the ethnicity of the director is he uh mexican is he hispanic in any way his name is gareth edwards so probably not the reason i ask is because like you said it's such you know, it's so beautifully shot and it shows these parts of Mexico that as tourists, like regular tourists, you never see. And it does it in such a, a beautiful way, but also it shows like the, like the real Mexico. Like it's not just Cancun and the beaches. It's, you know, people live here, people have their lives and it might not be, you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time. The, the one thing that I will say about this movie too, we talked about it a little before, but I think the character development of the two main characters, Sam and Calder, is pretty well done. Sam kind of really growing to the realization that she kind of, you know, she comes off as this like this girl that grew up in an affluent family and sort of has this life laid out for her. And then through the movie, you see her like, one giving away the engagement ring and then two like falling more and more for calder and sort of being a little more self-reliant you know on this on this trek through you know through mexico but then calder too i think they do a great job of his character development the one scene that really sticks out to me is um and it's a great scene we didn't even talk about where the trucks get picked up by the aliens and tossed down yeah. Um, but theirs gets saved because he knows to like cover up the light so the aliens don't see him or see the truck that he's in. And the the aftermath of that, the next morning when he goes and you see him see a little girl that's, you know, she was the other family that they were trying to save and take to America. 
and he starts pulling stuff out of his bag and he grabs a lens and you're just like oh my god this guy is going to take a, a picture of these dead bodies and like he's learned nothing and he steals this and then underneath that he grabs like a jacket and he lays it across the girl like over top of her like sort of so she's not just you yeah. know and he pulls he puts like a flower on her right um, but no we we did talk about it very briefly but i was like you know how he treats the bodies um after the aftermath of that night that's when i feel like the characters were really coming to like a fruition in my mind you know like i said in the beginning this is a movie that um fairly kind of independent and one that i had to search for to find uh, i really loved it and i really wanted to get you to watch it and so it's it's one that I could definitely see myself watching again. Alon, just what are your final thoughts on Monsters? Well, I'm definitely going to have to watch the beginning again because <laughs> I missed that whole part. But um, yeah, I liked it. I mean, honestly, I'm probably not going to watch it again, like through the whole thing, just because I, I liked it. But like I said, I didn't like it until the very end. And, uh, and I feel like there's other movies that, kind of metaphorically compare you know aliens with i i feel like a movie that can do this a lot better or to a, a bigger degree is district nine which i really like district nine have you seen district nine yeah okay are you mad at me no oh my god so yeah i just i just felt like district nine did this not in a better way but in a way that i can better understand more explosions and, and alien guts i get it i uh, get what you want okay maybe it is a little bit of that maybe i'm just um uh, a philistine and i you know i can't appreciate a, a a movie until it's it explodes in my face but well that does it for another episode of i finally watched this is david and this is alan and i finally watched monsters bye everybody <laughs>